Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here on a Friday to wrap up the week. Uh, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, uh, we're all pretty excited here because we're going to have some fun games coming up over the next few days. And to talk about that, and as promised, talk a little bit about the rest of the East because uh, things got a little bit crazy yesterday prior to uh, that very exciting Bucks Pistons game. Joining me to do that is a uh, regular co-host on the show Camille Davis from the Technical Foul Podcast how are you doing I am doing great happy to be here how are you I'm doing pretty well I've actually just been sitting here watching I described them as the new Detroit Pistons the Houston Rockets Christian Wood Sterling Brown <laughs> uh, they're both starting games both playing very well and I must say this might be the most I've enjoyed watching Houston play in about eight years something's missing it's, it's kind of they're fun to watch it's crazy what one little trade could do to a whole team, huh? <laughs> yeah, Sterling, man. He's been waiting for this opportunity his whole career. But we are going to talk about James Harden a little bit because for obvious reasons, we speculated this over the last couple of months and wondered uh, how the Bucks were going to be impacted by any potential James Harden trade. I think we probably guessed it was, and it's not really a guess. I mean, it was an educated guess that it was going to be the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers. So straight up, let me ask you that question because Justin asked me this uh, after we stopped recording yesterday. If you had to make a choice of what team he would have gone to or could have gone to, and let's just say it was uh, Ben Simmons and pieces to the Sixers or this trade that's gone down for the Nets, which one would you have preferred from a Bucks perspective? Uh, from a Bucks perspective, the one we got, the idea of a motivated, healthy James Harden with Joel Embiid, that is scary. Joel Embiid has looked really good so far this season, and he is just an amazing talent. With Joel Embiid clicking and you have a shooter, ISO player like James Harden on the perimeter, have a couple other shooters. I'm not sure who else they would have had to give up in that package uh, along with Ben Simmons to get Harden, but Harden and Embiid would have been the one that really made me nervous. I can understand why everybody's so, you know, going crazy about him being in Brooklyn, just given the sheer level of talent with KD, Kyrie, and Irvin, and uh, Harden there now, but I still have a couple of questions with character fits in regards to that one. So and they also gave a lot of pieces with the bench. I mean, they still can go eight, nine deep, which is all you really need in the playoffs. But, yeah, not too much defense over there either. Like, they're going to be able to score, but I'm not sure who they're going to be able to stop. All right. So, you, you hate Australia. Um, you, you, no respect for Ben Simmons. I get it. That's totally fine. <laughs> I probably, you know, I, I got asked this question as well. And, and I honestly wasn't 100% sure. The one thing and the one question mark I'll forever have over the six is, is – send it around Joel Embiid and his ability to play in a seven-game series because uh, when you talk about conditioning, he's never been 
and you say that with James Harden, well, Joel Embiid himself clearly has never been in, let's say, peak physical condition, I don't think, at any point in his career. But uh, he did go to Brooklyn, so that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, you know, the interesting thing about this, we, we discussed yesterday whether he might play in this game against the Bucks in a couple of days. Well, it looks like he's probably going to. I didn't know what the league was going to do with these COVID rules, but I was just um, talking with some friends earlier today and they kind of said, listen, uh, the league's in a big trouble with COVID as it is. You really think that they were going to miss out on an opportunity to let James Harden and Giannis play against each other? I don't think so. On national TV, yeah, he's going to be out there playing. So this is the really interesting thing. We're going to see Harden in a Nets jersey most likely in a couple of days against the Bucs. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm not sure if Kyrie will also be in an edge jersey when we take them on on Monday, but even just seeing James Harden and KD trying to work that out, you know, it's been some years since they've played together in OKC and James Harden's a completely different player now at this point. So I'm very much looking forward to that matchup. I think that, and I just could you can call me crazy if, if this is the case, but I feel like the Bucks actually can match up pretty well with Brooklyn, like as well as one could with that much offensive scoring t- power. Like KD is one of the greatest scorers that the game has ever seen. And James Harden is definitely one or two when you look at just modern players. Like the scoring power is ridiculous, but the Bucks have some bodies, I think, that can make their life a little bit difficult. You know, you can't ever really stop a great scorer. You just got to make it hard on them. And I think the Bucks have enough players to be able to do that to a certain degree. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I will say, I think to me, when I've seen some conversations around, yeah, but they might not work out. They might be a blow up in the locker room or yeah, they're not going to be able to defend. It does kind of feel to me that that's, people trying to convince themselves that this isn't really scary (laughs) because when I look at that lineup now, I understand all that. And as someone who loves chaos, uh, absolutely just gets absolutely thrilled at any sign of chaos in the NBA. I love it. I'm excited to think about Kyrie and James Harden and Kevin Durant and are they going to get along and where are the shots going to come from? I understand all that, but I also don't really care about the regular season so much in terms of how long it takes them to figure it out because they're going to win games based on talent. So you know that they are going to be there in the postseason. And as people that watch the Bucs, cover the Bucs, uh, have emotional investment in the Bucs, we know all too well that based on the seedings and based on the matchups, you don't know. Maybe maybe you end up seeing the Nets in the second round and you can't tell me uh, as a Bucs fan that you're excited about that prospect or feeling good about that. It's bad. It's not good. That is not a matchup or a situation the Bucs would want to finish up in. No, I, as a basketball fan, just purely on basketball, yes, sign me yeah, up. Right, sign me up right. for that for sure. As a Bucks fan, yes, I would definitely be nervous, especially, I mean, we've seen some of the holes that comes with this defensive scheme that the Bucks run, and we have all seen that they're making the little tweaks, they're making the adjustments. I read Eric, uh, Eric's article over The Athletic about just some of the tweaks in detail, which was really, really good, but you can also see that they're still working on things. So I think also I just want to say that the game on Monday, I don't think that should be used necessarily as a, this is what the playoffs will look like, whether the Bucks win big, lose big, whatever the case may be. There's a lot that's still being worked out. Like in, in my head, I just kept saying that to me, the season won't even really start until like February-ish because this is really like preseason to me. This is people still figuring it out. They didn't have a camp. They're still working things out. But if, if, Brooklyn can put the Eagles aside and actually just 
figure it out because when you look at most big threes historically you normally have like the one guy who's like your lead dog like the the scorer the guy who's you know getting on the shots and I feel like that would be KD in this situation I feel like KD is the cornerstone of Brooklyn then you have like your second guy who kind of takes a little step back like he could do more but you know he's going to be like that second option I kind of feel like James Harden slots into that more than Kyrie and that will leave Kyrie in that third position, which is that guy who sacrifices a lot to us to do something like that dirty work. And I don't necessarily know if Kyrie has that in him to do, um, not even just because of what's going on with him just now. But, I mean, he wanted out of Cleveland because he was tired of being Robin to LeBron's Batman. He went to Boston to run his own show. That didn't really work out. He goes to Brooklyn, you know, it's just him, at, you know, and then he is KD. He's I can deal with the KD thing. Like me and him can share this. But now there's another guy to come in to share that piece of the pie. So we'll see how that goes. But if the three of them can actually put the egos aside and, and take that, make that sacrifice, yeah, they're going to be scary because even though they got rid of that bench, you're going to have to score like 120 <laughs> against Brooklyn to even have a chance, it feels like, because they are going to be able to put that ball in the hoop pretty easily. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the Robin reference. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but it had me absolutely dying this morning. It said that Kyrie Irving wanted to leave Cleveland because he didn't want to be Robin, and now he's in Brooklyn, and now he's Alfred. And I was just like, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I sent it, honestly, I sent it to all my friends. I was like, you need to see this tweet. This is the funniest thing I've seen. So I, I don't know what account that was, but um, that had me dying. But the, the point I will say is that, even when I'm looking at what I think Brooklyn is going to be or how scary they could potentially be in the postseason, a couple of things to note, they've got some roster spots. They're going to get a big. They're going to get another center more than DeAndre Jordan. So as you pointed to, what happens next week, what happens over the next month even necessarily doesn't really matter because we know that the Nets are going to be able to add a player. And I I think I, I said this to Justin as well. I'm telling you, if Ursula Noisova ends up on the Nets, I'm going to be very, Ooh. very upset because he's just, you know, he's a valuable veteran. He's ready to play. He's working out. I can see that being a move they make. I'd be very upset to see Ursula join that team. And uh, the last thing I'll say in the Nets, even if Kyrie doesn't come back, which honestly, who the hell knows what's going to happen, what you're left with is still maybe the two best scorers in the entire league. So let's mm-hmm. not let's not act like even if Kyrie doesn't come back, it, it might not, you know, or, or they might not be as good or they might not be as scary because Harden and Durant to me is still better than Kyrie and Durant. I, I think the point you made that Durant actually with James Harden is a terrific fit. I, I mm-hmm. think because he can mix and, and match with anyone. He can play off ball. You, they can take turns. So I, I think Harden and Durant is, is super scary. But again, um, we'll see how it all plays out. But Camille, I, I want to talk about betonline.ag. And I have to ask you, I was looking at this. The Packers will go in favorites this weekend. Uh, I, I'm not a, a betting expert by any stretch, but what should the line be? Because I, I know it's going to be very cold. Ooh. That's a hard one to say because, I mean, the Rams have the number one scoring defense up against the number one offense with the Packers. So it's really hard to tell which battle of the Wills is going to win that particular battle. I would assume the Packers, as you mentioned, are favored going into this game. What, maybe maybe five points? 
Yeah, I saw I saw earlier in the week uh, somewhere that it was like eight point five, which was kind of crazy wow, to me. Really? But, um, but I, it's probably hmm. come in since then. And, and what about not to get too distracted here? But what about uh, who was that player that the Packers signed? Valdia was it that came in and yeah. you know, almost yeah. honestly one of the most chaotic sports stories I've ever seen in my life. I texted Eric and I said, "Listen, if if shit really kicks off here, this is this might be one of the all time sports stories if the Packers lose some players." But anyway, at this point, it seems like it's going to be okay. But uh, getting back to the point, betonline.ag. You can check out that line if you are a Packers fan and you want to uh, maybe throw a dollar or two behind them this weekend. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50%. Welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook deck. Twenty twenty is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Camille, we've got to get back to the Bucks. Let's talk about the Bucks a little bit here. Over the last few days, it's been kind of interesting. I've had a couple of um, listeners reach out to me and ask about DJ Augustine, and I probably sat back and thought, yeah, I guess I haven't spoke about him too much, but I don't think that that's all that surprising. He's playing the role I probably thought he would. He's the backup point guard. He's playing 18 minutes per game at the moment. It's kind of... Uh, uh, it's 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 a low key role at this point, and remember he started the season a little bit uh, banged up there as well. He had a soft tissue concerns there and missed the first couple of games. So, what are you seeing from DJ Augustine? Because remembering that he's is taking a pretty significant role that obviously we became pretty comfortable with George Hill just coming in, and you knew what you were going to get, particularly defensively. So, while I don't think that his role is right now during the regular season going to be critical. The, the spot that he's taken is of a very important player. Yeah, definitely. I feel like offensively, it's really been fun watching DJ Augustine because it's, it's, he does some little things. Like he is such a great pick and roll player. And I was trying to actually recall, like when is the last time we had a point guard that that was this skilled running pick and roll? And I couldn't actually think to who that player was. And he's, he's actually just really fun to watch. I didn't realize how small he was necessarily <laughs> until I actually saw him on court. And I'm just like, wow. So I had to look up his height. And I'm like, okay, like we're like the same height, but okay. Um, but yeah, he has the great control um, offensively. Defensively, he is about what I expected him to be, which isn't necessarily like a plus defender by any means, but he's just, he's a body out there that can kind of stay in front of somebody a little bit. Um, but I feel like what he comes in mostly to do is to get that offense going. He seems to be developing some pretty good chemistry too with uh, Bobby Portis um, and some of those role men too. So it's been fun watching him. I think he's going to be like a really calming presence, especially in the playoffs when, you know, the stakes are up a little bit. He seems to just have that demeanor about him when he's on the court that he's in control. He, he understands and he knows the role he's supposed to be playing. Yeah, it's interesting because I did wonder, uh, and you mentioned his height, and a lot of people that have watched him closer than probably I have over the last few seasons have said, well, you know, he's fine. He's a veteran. Like you pointed to, he can execute in the pick and roll, but defensively come playoffs, it's going to be tough to play this guy. So I was curious to know what lineups Bud was going to use him in, who he was going to match him up with. And funnily enough, the Bucks' second 
most used lineup this season so far includes DJ and he's playing in the backcourt next to Drew Holiday, which has kind of been fascinating to see how often Bud has gone to that combination. So that five-man lineup altogether is uh, DJ Augustine, Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, Giannis, and Bobby Portis. So there, and it's still only 31 minutes. We're so early in the season that it's kind of like, what, what do you take from 31 minutes? Uh, but that group together has a defensive rating of 87.8 and a net rating of 33.8. So in the small sample wow. size so far, um, defensively, they've been fine. And I think that you can get away with it when you have Drew, Chris, and Giannis out on the floor at the same mm-hmm. time. So that will be really fascinating, obviously, as the season progresses to see how that combination of DJ and Drew Holiday works together. We know that Drew has played a lot off ball, uh, sometimes a little bit too much for some of our listeners is the feeling I'm getting. But the other thing to note with DJ, 40% from three. And this is what we knew that we were going to get from him. He's going to be a catch and shoot guy. Um, and if he, if he keeps that efficiency up around 40%, then he is going to be a valuable addition to the team. You spoke about his pick and roll player. And it's kind of funny because I do feel with Bobby Portis in particular, he's built a pretty nice relationship pretty quickly. And he's been able to find Bobby sometimes in those second unit lineups but overall uh, his efficiency hasn't been great particularly when he tries to finish at the rim his uh, field goal percentage overall is below 40 percent which isn't that crazy for him I, I was surprised when I looked it up uh, he's only uh, he's only finished above 60 percent at the rim once in his entire career and that was in 2018-19 so he's actually never really been a good finisher at the basket and I think part of that is obviously his size it's difficult to get in there and score at the rim so that will be something to watch but it's maybe more surprising to people that haven't seen a lot of him and they're like oh man this guy's not finishing too well that's kind of who he's been yeah, and I know the one thing with DJ that I thought more so of uh, coming into the season was the three-point shooting, as you mentioned. I didn't realize he was hovering around the 40% line, which is which is amazing. I know the team's been around that mark, yeah. I think like 40, 41, somewhere in there. But I recall just looking at his numbers from last season, and people were wondering if his slump in three-point percentage was like a sign of a declining game or if it was just that season that he was off. So Early returns are showing that he's getting back to the level that, you know, he was more of a, as a career shooter over the last few years outside of last season where he was a sub, what, 35% three-point shooter, something like that. So as long as he can keep knocking those down and like running that offense pretty well, I'm, I'll be happy with that. Uh, just figure out a way to hide him a little bit. As you mentioned, Drew, Chris, <laughs> Jan, figure some kind of lineup out in that way to hide that but what he can give you offensively is is pretty impressive in that so I didn't realize that he was also that bad around the rim but as you mentioned what I think he's listed at 511 or so somewhere around there so that doesn't necessarily surprise me too much with that no yeah so so far this year uh and he's he's three for 10 at the rim so he's 30 percent at the rim so far this year which is obviously that's actually in the I don't even know how to it's it's got a zero next to it for its percentile range. That's how bad it is right now for DJ Augustine. But even last year in Orlando, a 63 for 117 at the rim, so only 54%, which was in the 25th percentile. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is who he is. Generally, he's, he's hovering around the 30th percentile mark there and the mid-50s, which, you know, I mean, is a pretty low uh, number generally for point guards, particularly finishing at the rim. But the one thing I'll say, like all these guys and it's perhaps even more noteworthy now that Bud has tightened that rotation a little bit and really only played nine players yesterday. A lot of the times he's going to be out there with either one of Drew, Chris, or Giannis. So in terms of the shot quality that he's going to get 
And the reason I would have confidence that his three-point shot will uh, hold up around the high 30s at least, you'd love to have 40, but that's obviously pretty elite, is because he's going to be getting wide-open looks with those guys. And you love to see it. I mean, you can see that even with, with Forbes and the chemistry he's developed with Giannis, but Forbes is getting a lot of really good looks. And that's one difference with this Bucks team that we're seeing early returns on, which other people have mentioned, even Giannis mentioned that this might be the best group of shooters that he's played around himself. And the Bucks like to let it fly, which we've seen the last two years. It's been fun because you have those nights where they're really, really hot and it's all falling, but then you have those nights where they just can't seem to make a bucket. And what I'm really hoping comes from this roster with guys who are just overall better shooters is that the, the lows and the highs aren't necessarily what we're going to get every day. Like it's not going to be either a really hot night or a really low night, but you're going to be able to expect at least a certain baseline uh, from these guys. I mean, it's basketball. So there are going to be some games where things just don't work out no matter how many things you're doing right. The ball just won't go in the hoop. But it feels like we have better shooters to take advantage of the situations of, that Giannis gets to put them in by being so open, by drawing so much attention and making it easier for them to score. I've also been kind of impressed with Pat Connaughton. I didn't expect him to, uh, to actually start knocking some of those down. He's, he's looked pretty good offensively. And, and if he can keep that up, he becomes a far more valuable player than he has been the past few seasons. Listen, shout out to Pat. I said this yesterday, man. He was honestly, he was like the most on the most wanted list for Bucks Twitter for the first three or four games. So I'm, you know, not only because I think he's going to play in the Bucks, you know, they're going to need him to knock down those shots and be a valuable contributor. I'm, I'm happy that he's been able to do that at least the last couple of games, and uh, he's up around fifty percent still, which is obviously just absolutely. Uh, Go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all sides of the story with the Rejecting the Screen podcast. Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, and media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Camille, I mentioned this at the start. We've already touched on the Bucks and Nets in a couple of days here. They've got Bucks and Lakers a couple of days after that, so it's going to be a big week. But it starts with a team that, let's say... That to put it politely, Milwaukee has had some struggles with. The Dallas Mavericks are not a team that the Bucs have fed. While against, uh, we actually saw them a few weeks ago in a preseason game. I think that was the first preseason game where the Bucs got rolled there as well. They just can't do anything with Luka Doncic at all. And, and this is why I'm, I'm super fascinated to watch this game from a defensive standpoint. We've seen some of the things they've been doing over the last a couple of games here and I'm kind of torn because part of me thinks that it's going to be exciting to see some different looks that they give Luca that he might not have seen in the past but also part of me is kind of terrified because we've also seen as they're trying to work through these things there's been some breakdowns and maybe Luca might be the worst guy in the league to come up against when you're trying to figure out things defensively but so far uh, Luca has played against Milwaukee over the course of his uh, Korea, uh, where was the numbers? I had them up here before. Yeah, 24.7 points, 9.3 rebounds, 10.3 assists, 38% from three. Uh, he kills the Bucks. Yeah, Bucks killer. Like probably one of the most high profile Bucks killers out there at the moment. And Porzingis is back as well, which provides a whole another set of problems to try to defend. But as we mentioned, I mean, the schedule has been over the last couple of weeks, a lot of Pistons. <laughs> I, I'm glad I do not want to see the Detroit Pistons on my screen anymore, but it kind of goes back to a point I made earlier where I feel like these first few weeks, first month or so was kind of like preseason 
you know, if there's a team that you really want to try to work things out on, <laughs> you're really happy to have Detroit three times in a row. So now we get to turn that difficulty level up a bit to see what they can do with Luca, with KP, and with that team. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I don't know if if this is going to be a win for the Bucks. I'm not sure how many different things they're actually going to be looking to try at this point in the season. It seems like with every game, they get a little bit more aggressive and switching things up, trying different things than they were earlier in the season, or at least they go to it quicker, it feels like. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to throw at Luca this time around. It might not work out, but I just want to see what it looks like. I want to see what they're trying to take away, what they're willing to give up against this against this team because as you mentioned they've been a matchup problem for the Bucks since Luca joined the team even I think last season when they came to Fiserv and Luca wasn't playing KP by himself was just just a problem for the Bucks so I'm excited for the game as I mentioned just as a basketball fan like this is what you really want to see you want to see your team put in these situations where they're they're playing great competition I can't wait to see them against the Mavericks the Lakers the Nets I, I can't wait well, it's interesting you mentioned Chris Tapps, who came back a couple of days ago here, and actually it looks pretty good. I've just got the injury report up here, and you wouldn't believe it. He, he, Pazingas is on here. It says probable with a left ankle sprain, but that guy just can't catch a break. But uh, it does seem like he will probably play. Uh, for the Bucks. story, Craig, is actually probable with that broken oh, really? nose, which, hey, uh, listen, if you are coming up against these guys that the Bucks are going to have in the next few days, Tori Craig might be a handy guy to throw in the rotation. And the one thing we noted from yesterday's game against Detroit, Thanasis actually only played four minutes and really he had a three-minute stint in the first quarter and then he wasn't seen until the last uh, minute of the game there. So maybe Torrey Craig is a guy that they're going to throw out there. Drew Holiday also listed as probable with a right ankle sprain. I, I can't really remember. Uh, do you remember anything that happened out of yesterday's game? I can't remember an instant. Nothing that pops in. I remember a couple of times just players getting hit hard. I mean, when you're yeah. playing Detroit, it's going to be just a rough game. Like there's going to be bodies flying. So it's quite possible that in one of those, <laughs> those yeah. moments that he did, you know, twisted a little bit, but I'm happy that he's listed probable. Um, I hope it's something that's going to be too serious or lingering for him because Drew is going to be a big part of what the Bucks are looking to accomplish going forward. 6.30 tip-off, that one is, so keep that in mind. Uh, I believe it's on ESPN as well, though I think the next three games for the Bucks are on ESPN, actually. But uh, I, one thing, um, I, you know, you mentioned it. What did we take away from this game? How much did we look into it? And honestly, I'm watching the league, I'm looking around, and I just, I can't even bring myself, even though I mentioned the Bucks record all the time, I can't bring myself to look at the standings and think anything of it. I was just here. I mentioned I was watching Sterling Brown and Christian Woodstuff for the Rockets. I was watching Miami and Philadelphia before, and I sat down, and I thought, oh, this might be a pretty entertaining game. That was until I realized that Bam wasn't playing, Jimmy Butler wasn't playing, Goran Dragic wasn't playing, Myers Leonard wasn't playing, uh, Kendrick Nunn didn't play either. And I'm just like, who the hell is actually playing in this game? I don't know. Gabe Vincent is starting for the Miami Heat. What am I going to take away from this? I, so I don't know. This year is insane. I'm certainly not going to uh, change my opinion on anything that, through one game. But I will say at least, fingers crossed, to this point, it looks like tomorrow's game against Dallas, we're going to get most of the big names out there. And I'm hoping so. Like, as mentioned, I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. I'm not necessarily as concerned about the win. I know that might sound weird because, of course, you want your team to win. But I'm kind of viewing the regular season more as like, okay, I'm studying to see what changes that you're trying to implement that could be used in the playoffs because we've seen what doesn't work there. 
and the ultimate goal here is to try to win a championship. I want the Bucks to be in the finals. So I am just trying to watch what adjustments they're going to make, what changes they have made in this scheme uh, to, to fit. And I, I just want to see how they react. Like, I don't, I shouldn't say I don't care if they win, but it's really about the work, like the, the game itself. That's what I'm looking forward to the most here. Over the next three games, to be honest with you, Dallas, Brooklyn, and L.A., against that top-tier talent, I just want to see which, how you guys look at this point. No more, no more Detroit, no more Orlando, no more Cleveland. I mean, the last team that we saw that had playoff aspirations that they played against was Utah, and that did not, it did not go too well. So I need to see more improvement from that game in these next three. Yeah, the Bucs had their stinker against the Knicks. But outside of that, um, it's a good point you make. They've lost the good teams. They've lost the Boston, Miami, and Utah as well. So, uh, listen, you want to try and look two, I take two and one. But you, you just really don't want to lose all three of these games. That would be pretty disastrous. So, uh, we're going to find out here. Uh, what is going on in the Technical Foul podcast this week? What, have we, what, what should we be catching up on? Oh, man. This past week, let's see. Uh, we talked COVID in the NBA and just how that is really affecting things. The Kyrie situation, NFL playoffs gave a preview for this weekend, slate of games. Talked some COVID in the WWE as well and how that's affecting some of the wrestlers. Of course, some, some jokes. There's always some jokes thrown in there. that, <laughs> And uh, just some laughs. So just some good conversation. Uh, I know for next week's show, we're definitely planning to take a look at NBA it'll be about a quarter through the season next week so we're going to take a look at the the league itself and one thing that I found is a thread on Twitter and it's just saying how has Vince McMahon been able to keep WWE on the air all these years after some of the antics he's pulled so I'm going to bring some of those to the guys next week and I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing if they recall some of the outlandish things that happened as we grew up watching the show. I'm telling you I don't watch any uh wrestling today i don't watch today's wrestling but i do very frequently uh, go back to the late 90s early 2000s and uh i'm telling you yeah there's some crazy crazy stuff that's so let's say it's i don't even think it does it justice to say you wouldn't get away with it now um you you would as you said you'd be booted off the air uh, the whole uh, business would probably be shut down but anyway Vince yeah. man he's just he's a sketchy character but camille mm-hmm. always a pleasure to catch up with you i delayed you a little bit today listen we were supposed to talk a few hours ago but um you know i came up with some excuse and and here we are but i appreciate it it's all good i'm always happy to be here i'm willing to come whenever you guys need i still need to figure out a time to get on here with you and frank i feel like frank's been like avoiding me or something like come on frank like we gotta get this going well, I know he always listens when you're on the show, so he'll. it's up to him to respond because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he avoids me as well. He told me yesterday during the game that he was, he was working and he couldn't do a post-game pot after the, the Detroit game. But honestly, I think he was probably just making it up and that game was so bad, he just didn't want to talk about it. So who knows? But we'll make it happen in the future. But like I said, that's Camille Davis. You can check her out on the Technical Foul podcast and on this show very regularly. Uh, we'll be back. We will do something on the weekend, whether it's Saturday post-game after the Dallas game or the next day. Uh, There'll be a podcast there where we can wrap that up because it is going to be a game that we'll probably be able to have some genuine takeaways from, which is going to be fun. But until then, stay safe. We'll catch you guys next time.